The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. The draft is over. It is. If you're watching on YouTube Monday, May 2nd, you'll probably, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably Tuesday, May 3rd, and I've once again forgotten that I was supposed to do a cold YouTube open for the show. I, you know, when I, when I, I've been feeling sort of re-energized today, I don't really know why, um, yeah, we gotten past the offseason. The draft is over. We get a brief respite for like six weeks, eight weeks or so here, um, where we get to kind of relax, maybe take it a little bit easy. From- Brenton, I hate to break it to you. We have nine days, and then the schedule comes out. Uh, yeah. So no respite. Okay. You have one week to relax. Better enjoy it. Do you have 12 hours to relax? Actually, uh, come 4 p.m. on Monday, there's probably be a bunch of free agent signings because – the compensatory pick uh, formula deadline is now over, and we have, uh, of course, we have. Well, you know, we'll have OTA. We'll have, you know, we'll have, we'll have off season stuff that we'll we'll do with two. All right, we get we get like three weeks in June. Okay, Breach, you have happy? June June twentieth to July fifth. That is your downtime. So basically, oh, yeah, that's it. Um, but as I found myself as I was saying, CBS Sports Daily NFL podcast. It like I think the just the phrase caused my brain to realize that this podcast will be daily even in the summer, which it's been for several years, but it doesn't really sink in until after the draft. Joining me to do some draft grades, however, we do have plenty of draft content we can keep cranking out. John Breach, who you already heard, and Josh Edwards, who looks like he got some sleep. I got a little bit of sleep. Um, I was under the impression that we were going to be talking about 2023 mock drafts today, so <laughs> I'm, a little, I'm a little unprepared. Do you want to do a 2023? Do you want to talk 2023 mock draft? I'm going to go take a nap if that happens, because I can literally name four people maybe that are that uh, i noticed that um wilson did something oh no never mind it, uh when i was looking at it on mobile i couldn't see the teams see i don't i don't love that they use super super bowl sports sign odds but in reverse order um the problem is like i don't know that i think it does a disservice to the idea like the, like the texans have the, have the theoretically the worst record but like are the Texans going to take a quarterback one overall? I don't know. I, I just Wilson has, has Will Anderson Jr. one and then Jalen Carter two. Like no quarterback taken until three, which if CJ Stroud plays well, I don't think will be the case. Right, Josh? Breach um, didn't, didn't even know who the people that I'm the names I'm saying. Yeah, right? I, I knew you weren't talking to me. That's yeah. a, I, I wasn't going to answer. 
I don't think that uh, C.J. Stroud is going to be my top-rated quarterback right now. but uh, Because it's Devin Leary. I haven't watched Devin Leary yet. He's, you he's are on going my, to call uh, in love. He's a little short of you. He's on my hit list as well as another ACC quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke. So Yeah, Van Dyke's um, sort of big name, kind of popping up everywhere. If I'm Wilson didn't put Leary in the first round. What a coward. What a loser. That's why he got kicked off the show. He said, I, heard, I saw yeah. his mock draft. There's no Leary. I said, get Wilson off. Bring me Josh. Um, anyway, we got a bunch of draft grades we got to get to, so let's just dive right in. We are going to do uh, AFC draft grades, draft grades for every single team, and we will start. Uh, what we're going to do is uh, either Breach, Josh, or I will give out the grade. We, we've all been assigned certain teams, and then uh, Josh is going to give us his favorite pick because uh, even though these guys are now in the NFL, they haven't been there long enough for Breach to actually know who they are, and I only know like three-quarters of them, right? Works for me. Cool. Yeah, I don't know why I'm insulting you that way, Breach. Yeah, that's mean. Yeah, you know who you know who they are. Yeah, like, for instance, where for the draft, they're in my head. I know who they are, but until then, you know, until next January, I don't need to know the 2023 class. Right, right, right. That's true. Fair. And the first team we're starting with actually first pick from Cincinnati, second pick from Ohio State. So if there is any team I would know, it is the team that drafted two players from Ohio with their first two picks. That of course, the New York Jets. Breach. Uh, they drafted Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson. All in the first round. Traded back up to get Johnson. Brees Hall, Jeremy Ruckert, Max Mitchell, and Michael Clements. What's your grade for the New York Jets breach? You know, I wrote down A on the rundown, but nope, I'm not giving them A. I'm giving them an A+. Plus. I feel uh, like we have the Jets draft was so good. I felt like we've talked more about them over the past three days than we did during the entire 2021 season. It's like the Jets just fall off the map and they don't matter by week four. Uh, but as far as this draft goes, falling off the map after week four might not be happening anymore because of how much talent they added. I mean, we talked a lot about their first round hall, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson. All of those guys likely uh, will be starting in 2022. And if you come out of a draft with two starters, you're looking good. You get three I mean, you've already hit a home run, and that's if you didn't make any other picks in the draft, except that the Jets did make other picks. Uh, I love the Brees Hall pick. Uh, you know, I think some people thought, hey, the Jets, they've got, they just drafted a running back uh, in the past couple of years. Why do they need another running back? It's, look, running backs are cheap. Just keep adding running backs. It doesn't matter. If you find a super talented one who hits a home run, uh, then your team's even better. And so they just keep putting these weapons around Zach Wilson. And so this team is going to it, this their season. It's all going to come down to whether or not Zach Wilson's any good. But if he just plays slightly above average football, they've put such a talented team around him that the Jets could be a surprise. And it's because of how well they did in this draft. Agree with yeah. that, Josh? Does this draft help to make the Jets maybe? I don't know about contenders. I mean, if Zach Wilson takes a leap, sure. I think I think I think you think your feeling of the Jets probably depends on how you feel about Zach Wilson. Uh, what's your uh, what's your favorite pick from the Jets draft class, Josh? My favorite pick is the selection of Brees Hall, the running back out of Iowa State, because I think he's a great complimentary piece to Michael Carter the second. Um, Carter was fantastic when he was available last year. He did have some injury issues, but the pairing of those two players, I think, really key on one another, and especially in that wide zone blocking scheme where you lean on your run game heavily. You need multiple backs that are going to be able to step in there um, and handle the load. So I think it was a fantastic pick. I think they complement each other well. And the Jets just found good value throughout this draft class. 
Um, Sauce Gardner was, was my top cornerback. Garrett Wilson was my top wide receiver. Jermaine Johnson, I had valued higher than where he was taken. I love Jeremy Ruckert. I love Max Mitchell. It was just a fantastic draft class. I mean, I, I love what they were able to accomplish over these three days. Uh, but I particularly love the selection of Brees Hall because of the fit in that offense. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And, um, you know, really, like, I think that while you can find guys who are cheaper to be explosive running backs in the, you know, Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, uh, LaFleur system, whatever you want to call it, uh, it does help to invest into it because, especially with a guy like Zach Wilson back there, because really, like Michael Carter looked good for stretches, but Tevin Coleman, what, you know, they, they just needed somebody else to be like sort of a featureish back who can uh, dominate in that scheme. And I think uh, that this should help them in a pretty big way. So I dig that as well. Breach, you have the bills to give a grade for. Kair Elam, who said, put the playbook on the plane. I don't know if you guys saw that or not. It was kind of cool. Um, I d- yes, I did see that. Yeah, that's fascinating. Running back um, teams. Yes. Give him a grade. I am going to give them a great Brenton. I am going to give them, you know, I should give them an A plus because of who they got in the sixth round, but I'm going to give the Bills a B plus. I was, uh, I liked the Bills draft a lot. I don't, I love the Jets draft. And then just a tier below that is how much I liked the Bills draft. And I thought really, uh, you know, they were the one team that everyone talked about. If someone was going to draft a running back in the first round, it was going to be the Bills. They did not get a running back in the first round but they did get a running back in the second round. And it felt like uh, getting an explosive back in that offense was the one thing they really needed to do. So I was glad to see they used one of their first two picks on a running back. And that was James cook out of UGA. And so if you just say, Hey, you know what? We're not going to take that running back in the first round. Cause we like someone more that better be someone who can possibly be a starter. And that is who they got. The guy you just mentioned, Brenton Kyer Elam, who, like you said, was literally studying film on the way to Buffalo like the season starts tomorrow. The guy was ready to play. I mean, get him in pads and let him get on the stadium and tackle people. Uh, I thought that was a great pick. I think Kyer Elam was one of the top corners in the draft. And look, you look at, at Buffalo's secondary right now, and you have Tredavious White on one side and Kyer Elam on the other side. That is a strong set of corners right there. And then obviously, I would be remiss if I did not mention the fact that Mr. Punt God himself, Matt Ariza, fell to the Bills in the sixth round. Uh, that guy could end up being a weapon for them. He can flip the field. And, you know, I don't get to talk a lot about punters, but it has been amazing draft for punters, so I have to talk about punters whenever I can. Uh, and so I really like those three picks. I could, I could go another, like, 12 months without hearing you talk about punters. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, they got a couple other picks that could pan out. They got the receiver from Boise State, uh, you know, you add a weapon for Josh Allen. That could be a surprise pick that turns out to be really good. Uh, so overall, I thought the Buffalo Bills had a really good draft. Uh, what's your favorite pick for them, Josh? My favorite pick is Kyir Elam, the cornerback from Florida. He was my number 21 overall player in this class. I valued him higher than uh, the consensus media did. And I think what Breach said there about baking in um, the fact that they didn't take a running back as part of his grade was fantastic as well because that was one team that we considered as being a contender for a running back in the first round but Elam has great size great speed I'm sure most people have seen the video of him sharing his notes during the NFL combine interview as well as the um, request for the playbook on his flight to Buffalo so uh, you love how studious he is Um, in man coverage you know he's physical but 
he needs to he needs to work on his punch pace when he's trying to jam uh, wide receivers at the line of scrimmage. Other than that, you're getting a really good player in a secondary that, as Breach mentioned, has Tredavious White. You've got Teron Johnson, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde. I mean, that's a that's a very good deep secondary there in Buffalo, and it was one of the two primary needs that we picked out for the Bills as we entered this draft process. It was cornerback and offensive guard. So for them to walk away with a cornerback, particularly one that I valued so highly in the first round, I think was fantastic value and, a, and another way to fill an important need for this team because that's all they've done this offseason is just upgrade the roster with talent and fill positions of need. I mean, this is an AFC contender all day long. Love the Bills. Bills Mafia. We lost Brinson. Josh, I don't know what happened. He's obviously out celebrating the Bills draft. Uh, and you know what is next is, I think, our favorite team to grade in this draft, really the most difficult team to grade, the New England Patriots. Look, I don't know if the Patriots, if someone sent them a memo, someone from the NFL, and that memo said, uh, you can only use half your draft picks this year on Power 5 players. The other half have to be spent on small schools that no one's ever heard of. Uh, it was just a weird draft for them because it felt like they reached for every single person that they selected. Look, some people might have had Cole Strange projected in the top 50. I don't think anyone had him projected as a first rounder. Uh, you know, and then you look at what they took a quarterback from Western Kentucky. They took someone from South Dakota State. They took someone from Northwest Missouri State. Sam Roberts, I think, was the only player during uh, the coverage on NFL Network that the, the truck, the Net NFL Network did not have highlights for. That is how, like, no, how much unheard of Sam Roberts is. And that's not to say he's going to be bad or any of these players aren't going to pan out. It's just that the hit rate for smaller school guys isn't huge. Some of them might turn out to be stars, but. You know, I, I just didn't love overall what the Patriots did. So, it, oh, yeah, I don't know if I even said my grade. My grade for them, uh, I'm going to give them a C. I thought about going C minus, but just because I do like that there's a little mystery here with Belichick thinking outside the box and bringing these small school guys in, and maybe they do pan out. I mean, they drafted a D2 defensive player uh, last year, and he's done pretty well. So maybe... Uh, if you hit a home run with each one of these picks, each one of these small school guys, then you have a great draft. But I, I just don't think that's going to happen. So I'm going to give them a C. I'm back. I didn't even know she were gone. Yeah, <laughs> Josh took over. Anything. Um, uh, what's your uh, What's your favorite pick for the strange draft from the Patriots, Josh? My favorite pick was Houston cornerback Marcus Jones because he can work out of the slot, but he also gives you a lot of versatility as a return man. He's going to fulfill a role on this roster. And when you look at the Patriots historically, they've always valued flexibility, versatility in that secondary under Bill Belichick. And that's exactly what Marcus Jones uh, brings to you. I mean, he's a guy that can line up anywhere in the formation and just be a mismatch, <clears throat> excuse me, for the other team. Um, you know, when we look at this first round, Cole Strange going in the first round, taking number 29 overall, it was early. I mean, he was my number 53 overall prospect in the class. So you know, I didn't think it was as much of a stretch to take him as maybe what some other people did. But the context that you have to consider is they could have taken a Devin Lloyd here. Uh, or no, actually, I think Jacksonville may have traded up in, before them. But there were linebackers on the board. I mean, there were other options. Daxton Hill went one pick later. So you could have 
added a player like that and maybe traded up in the second round to get a player like Cole Strange. So um, I think you have to take that context into consideration where you probably look at this a little bit more favorably if Strange is your second round pick as opposed to being this uh, outlier in, in the first round. Um, the running backs, I didn't love. I mean, you've got Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Harris, J.J. Taylor, James White, and then you draft Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris in this draft. While I like both players, I just don't understand how they're going to have room on the roster. I mean, it, it, that's simply what it boils down to is um, unless you're going to part with a Damian Harris, where do you have room for these new running backs? Yeah, and – you know, it's worth noting too that the um, uh, the Patriots had twenty one and traded down with the Chiefs. So, I mean, they you know they could have stayed where they were and taken you know a player that maybe that you had a little bit higher. But um, if this if anyone else does this draft, they're getting roasted for it, like obliterated for it. But because Belichick did it, because we trust Bill Belichick, we trust the Patriots. People are going to give them the benefit of the doubt, even though I think it's safe to say that the. Yeah, the draft hits feel like they've been a little bit fewer and far between. In- well, even yeah. even Bob Kraft has been calling Belichick and his own team out for their lack of good draft picks over the years. So maybe they shouldn't get, the, you know, Belichick's brilliant on the field, but their drafts haven't been great the last few years. They have not been great. And uh, this one did not get a great grade from Breach. All right, the uh, Miami Dolphins. And now we need to set some standards, some guidelines, some, some practices here. Uh, how are we going to approach drafts for this show in which a team, let's say like the Dolphins and the Raiders, for example, uh, where they traded for, they traded like two of their first picks, their two first picks for a wide receiver. Like, do we count Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams in the grade? Um, you know, can you count AJ Brown in the grade, Marquise Brown? I mean, I think you kind of have to with those guys, right? Like, you can't, you know, and I think so. I think that applies here too, right? Yes, it is tough to grade teams that did not have a first round pick or a second round pick in the Dolphins case because of this monstrous trade they made and now they have Tyree Kill so should I include Tyree Kill in my trade grade probably um in the Did end you? though no <laughs> I you can you can decide for yourself I gave them a C I was not wowed by anything the Dolphins did but again when you're making your first pick in the third round uh it, it's tough to wow anyone and the wow factor is that hey we went out and traded for Tyree Kill. So you know what? I'm going to revise my grade. I'm going to include it as if they got uh include Tyree Kill in the draft grade. I'm going to up it to a B. Um because, you know, Channing Tindall, someone who could end up playing on that defense for a long time. I don't think that was a bad pick. Um but I don't know that they needed to I, I don't know if I would have taken a flyer on a quarterback even though it's 7th round. Uh you know, get him in undrafted free agency, get someone else in there another position you need with that pick. Uh, but I mean, their draft was literally two linebackers, a wide receiver and a quarterback. So it felt like they weren't even trying. Um, but when you have Tyree kill, it is what it is. So I'll give them a B minus. So they got, I'm trying to think what the chiefs, what did the chiefs get? What did the chiefs compensation ultimately end up being in exchange for Tyree kill? Uh, they got the first round pick. Number 30. No, yeah, I guess I mean like what players did they come away with? That's what I'm trying to figure out. The Chiefs. Uh, oh no, no. The Chiefs got two second round picks, 35th and 38th. Oh, you're looking at and a third round. So they got they moved up to 21 no, from the pick I'm, I'm that Miami wrong. had, I believe. So they got Trent McDuffie and then George Karloftis at 30. 
Yeah, but Carlotta's was their own pick. So I'm you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what like what anyway, we can come back to it when we get to the Chiefs. But yeah, I mean I think it's it's tough to it's tough to look at the Dolphins draft and be like, wow, that's amazing. But they just didn't have early picks because they got Tyree Kill. So I mean it's 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 just it's just hard to grade it. Josh, of the four players that they drafted, who is your favorite one? Texas Tech wide receiver Eric Ezukanma. Um, when you look at the offense that Miami plans to uh, deploy this season, it's a wide zone blocking scheme. So you're expecting these wide receivers to block for you in space. And that's exactly what Ezukama can be for you. He's a big slot receiver with strong hands, was kind of underutilized at Texas Tech. So I think he actually has more upside as a pass catcher at the next level. Um, but to get a willing blocker in this kind of a system at that point in the draft that has some upside, I think, was probably the most savvy pick that Miami made over the course of these three days. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we move from the AFC East to the AFC North, where we will begin by talking about reigning Super Bowl loser, the Cincinnati Bengals, and John Breach's team. It, I uh, Actually, you know what? So I was on, on Saturday. You guys didn't even notice this is how sly I was. I uh, actually had to coach Robbie's flag football team at noon. Um, and so the draft had started. Several people out in the field were like, uh, shouldn't you be working? I was like, yeah, but we couldn't get a fill in. And I didn't want to let the kids down because I'm a caring parent and all that, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, the coach on the opposing team was wearing a Bengals hat. And I asked him if he was actually a Bengals fan. And he was like, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, lifelong Bengals fan. He's like, I actually, you know, my son's a Bengals fan. I'm, you know, I felt awful for like the first few years, but now it looks like maybe he'll, you know, get to enjoy some good football. Um, uh, and, uh, and he was like, and it's crazy. He's like, it's like, I don't know what to do in the draft. You're like, our first player isn't coming to pick 31. Like, I'm extremely confused about what's happening. Uh, how was that feeling, Breach? And, and what did you uh, what did you think about the Bengals, uh, the Bengals draft? Well, it is confusing. You get so used to having a top 10 pick and get, hitting uh, uh, maybe a home run, getting someone like Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. And then you're thrown to the back end of the draft, which is nice because it means you're in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, as if I'm drinking the Bengals Kool-Aid, I should give the draft an A+. But... Um, I'm off the Kool-Aid for the weekend. I'm trying to give them a realistic grade. Uh, and I gave the Bengals a B. I thought it was a very interesting draft. But I feel like all they did, they added depth, which is huge. They especially added depth in the secondary, uh, which is even bigger. They took two safeties. Uh, I think Daxon Hill will end up being a great pick. I think the thing you have to consider with the Bengals is that you have Jesse Bates, who will be on the franchise tag in 2022, and Von Bell. And both of their contracts expire after the 2022 season. So you're basically uh, assuming that both those guys are going to be gone uh, based on the way the Bengals drafted. So you have Dax Hill come in there, uh, play some safety, probably play some slot corner, 
and can get on the field right away, even though he won't be a starter. Same with uh, Cameron Taylor Britt, probably will be on the field for quite a few snaps in 2022, even though he probably won't be the starter. And I think the pick that is going to kind of make make or break the draft is Zachary Carter in the third round, because look, the Bengals need all the defensive luck, defensive line help they can get. Uh, obviously, Larry Ogdenobi walking in free agency leaves quite a gaping hole. And so if Zachary Carter ends up panning out, that makes the Bengals, uh, that gives them a fantastic draft. But I do think taking uh, defensive backs with the first two picks was a smart thing to do. Little disappointed they didn't get a wide receiver or tight end. That's why I'm not putting this up in the A range, uh, but I am going to give them a solid B. All right. Uh, Josh, who's your favorite pick from this draft class? Yeah, I wish we had done the Browns grade first because now Breach gets to hear my remarks before he he grades the Browns draft. But (laughs) um, I didn't love the value for any of the picks. Daxton Hill was the closest um, in range that I had. He was my number 33 overall player. Like Breach was saying, I don't know, know what his role is going to be for the upcoming season. You've got Von Bell, you've got Jesse Bates. So it looks like maybe there's a long term plan in place. Um, but he also played the slot at Michigan, but you've got Mike Hilton if, if, unless he's gone, I, I think they still have Mike Hilton. Um, so I don't know what his role is for the upcoming season, but you've got Cam Taylor Britt now, who I think is a guy that can play a little bit more boundary for the upcoming season, which I thought was probably their largest need to fill. And then, you know, just over the course of the draft, you're probably adding depth with each of these selections. But Dax Hill, I think is a guy that brings a lot of versatility, um, to that secondary. And Mike Hill's not going anywhere anytime soon. He's under contract with 2024. Wow. Okay. Oh, there you go. Good stuff, Breach. Let's move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who, uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Is that right? No, Josh is going to grade the Steelers. I'm confused here. Josh, are you grading the Steelers? Is that right? Yep. Okay. Oh, you're grading the Browns too, buddy. You don't have to worry about Breach. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. All he's going to do is tell you his favorite pick. But I yeah, guess we're going to get your favorite Pete. Bre- Breach is going to say anything for like five minutes. They just forced fed in the Bengals. They had to give the Bengals a grade. Can't let somebody else do it. Brent uh, and Josh, I can go take a nap because the, Josh is giving out the grade and his favorite pick for the next five teams. Actually, I think it's like the next six teams. Yeah. Just, oh, boy. I can't just, count. We'll see in a little bit, Breach. It's been a while. Uh, yeah. No, you can chime in, obviously. Uh, they Kenny Pickett, clearly the, the headliner of this class. Uh, they came back and get George Pickens later. Uh, you know, pretty nice haul. There's some concerns all field about Pickens, I think. Then Connor Hayward, the brother of Cam Hayward. What's your uh, what's your grade for the oh and the DeMarvin Leal, who I think Wilson really liked. What's your grade for the Steelers, Josh? I gave it a B minus. Uh, you obviously landed your quarterback of choice. He was the first quarterback off the board. I don't know how you feel about him uh, being the only quarterback off the board for the first 85 picks, but um, they had their pick of the litter. They had a conviction about the player, and he doesn't have a long commute to his uh, NFL team. So I look at this clash. George Pickens is a guy that I valued very highly. Um, he was a first-round grade for me in this class. I think he's got plus ability down the field, great size, great speed, all that kind of stuff. I love the fact that he doesn't necessarily have to fulfill a role for this team this season because you've got guys like Chase Claypool, you've got Deontay Johnson that can kind of shoulder some of the expectations for this coming season. And Pittsburgh historically has done fantastic at drafting wide receivers. So you almost have to give them a little bit of a benefit of the doubt in regards to Pickens, who is probably only – in this spot because of some uh, media reports that, you know, maybe he didn't interview well through the course of this process. But George Pickens is my favorite player from the class. Obviously you get uh, Connor Hayward, who uh, his brother Cam Hayward is on the roster. Connor Hayward is a flexible 
fullback tight end can be deployed in a number of ways in that offense. Um, Calvin Austin, I think breach talked about yesterday was just fantastic value where they took him. Um, and then you rounded out, you've got Mark Robinson and then the quarterback, Chris, a lot who is going to be 25 years old in September, I Jeez. believe. So, you know, you're getting an older quarterback prospect. He's older than AJ Brown. Exactly. So you kind of need him to come in and, you know, fulfill a certain role for this team. Maybe he's not necessarily looked at as a backup quarterback, but a guy that can do some gadget things for this offense moving forward. So I gave them a B B minus just because, um, you know, I, I don't love the quarterback class. I didn't have a, a first round grade on any of them. Kenny Pickett was my highest rated at number 29 overall, but I just didn't value um, the quarterbacks really in this class. Fair enough. Uh, Breach, any thoughts on I right, like as a Bengals fan, you know, you got Burrow, you know, Watson's the, into the division now. Lamar Jackson's in the division. Does Kenny Pickett make you nervous at all? Zero percent. 38 fumbles in 52 games. I, I mean, the fact that the, the Steelers had what seven picks and they used or eight was it seven picks and they used two of them on quarterbacks, like whatever. One guy's 25. Yeah, that's use all the picks you want on quarterbacks. You're just, I mean, whatever. Yeah, I, the, using multiple picks on quarterbacks. If you're the Steelers, wait, 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 wait. Oh yeah, sorry, I was looking at the wrong team. I was like, I mean, wait. obviously you have Mitchell Trubisky and Mason Rudolph there, and so now you're just gonna have this crazy QB competition. And I, you know, obviously whoever ends up being the Browns starting quarterback is the or the uh, Steelers starting quarterback is the fourth best starting quarterback in the AFC North. Whether it's Kenny Pickett or Mitchell Trubisky, but using so, on, using two picks on quarterbacks, like kind of undermines what you think about Mitchell Trubisky, right? Or undermines what you think about Kenny Pickett? I don't know. I mean, someone, it just... It undermines what you or, think about somebody. Yeah, somebody's or getting undermined lottery here. Ticket, lottery ticket, we're just buying as many as possible, and you're hoping that one hits. So, I mean, there's that philosophy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the Steelers are behind the eight-ball quarterback. So, no, this is... I mean, I, I if anything, George Pickens and Calvin Austin. Uh, but, again, you need a quarterback to throw to them if they're going to be good. I also think it's a tough scene if you're Pittsburgh and you draft Pickett and you're like, we got him at 20! Yes! We came away with the guy we wanted. We stole him, you suckers, you all the other teams in the NFL. You can't get our quarterback. And then nobody drafts one for like it went like 70 picks or something. I mean, it's just ridiculous. If Baker um, Mayfield is on the Browns roster, their quarterback's probably the fifth best quarterback in the NFL. Oh, my God, you're right. Baker's, yeah, Baker's definitely. And there was some talk that the Browns might end up having to cut Baker because they can't keep him. Nah, they wouldn't do that because then they just get nothing in return. I mean, you might as well just – stash a spot on the roster, let let him sign somewhere in free agency next year and get a comp pick or something like yeah. that. But I mean, did you see what Peter King wrote on Monday? He said he thinks that the Browns at this point might have to give the Panther or like get a seventh round pick from the Panthers for Baker and pay 90% of Baker's salary, which is just a disaster. But anyway, uh the Ravens, Josh. Kyle Hamilton, of course, their first round pick. Maybe they were sniped by on Jordan Davis. Also landed Tyler Linderbaum, traded away Marquise Hollywood Brown, and they picked up David Ajabo in the second round. What's your grade for the uh, Baltimore Ravens? I gave them an A. I mean, they just took good value at each one of these selections. Uh, Kyle Hamilton was a top five player for me in this draft class because of the size, the speed. Uh, he can erase tight ends from the field, uh, plays downhill, can be physical you know, playing, uh, making plays in the flat, all that kind of stuff. Tyler Linderbaum was also a top 10 player for me. I think he's, you know, the best center in this draft class. The scheme fit is a little bit of a concern because he was, you know, a little bit undersized, more of an athletic player that you would expect to translate to maybe a wide zone blocking scheme. Uh, Baltimore runs a little bit more power gap style. So be curious to see how that works out. But, um, 
you know, David Ajabo, if he hadn't torn his Achilles, is probably a first-round pick. Uh, you can bring him bring him along at your own pace. You've got Jason Owe, or Adafi Owe, rather, that is going to be starting opposite him. Travis Jones was fantastic value. Daniel Falele was fantastic value. You know, Demarion Williams, good value. All the way through this these seven rounds, I mean, Baltimore just found good value. The only one that was kind of in question was the punter, and when you make this many good picks – you kind of get the benefit of the doubt. I mean, if you take a punter, take a punter. Who cares? You know, you, you've made so many other good picks that I don't think you you deserve any backlash for investing maybe a middle round pick on a punter. So what they did was fantastic. Just love the value from top to bottom. Um, on that punter situation, I know you'll speak to it, Breach, but um, I was reading, again, reading uh, Peter King's uh, MMQB, or, or sorry, FMIA or whatever. Uh, yeah, FMIA. And he, he, had, he, was, he was in the Ravens' war room. And at the time... So the punter they wanted, they ended up drafting Jordan Stout. And they were getting some news, some buzz, I think, that two other teams in that fourth round were looking around, like the Bucks and Browns maybe were looking around at about drafting a punter. And I think there was actually somebody, so the very next pick that they took, which was 139, I mean, they had these insane number of fourth-round picks, was Isaiah Likely. And right before they drafted Isaiah likely they were planning on trying to get um Calvin Austin and the Steelers traded oh no Steelers got this a comp pick the Steelers sniped him the pick before they wanted him and the whole room was like oh and so then they had to pivot and, and take um take the take Isaiah likely instead just thought it was interesting that going punter at 130 cost them Calvin Austin um, it, it, it's just something to think about down the road, but breach, apparently they said this was the only punter they were willing to take in this entire class. Yeah. And I kind of went over this, uh, uh, in the Saturday post draft stuff, but look, if there's one team, you're not going to second guess when it comes to selecting a special teams player, it's the Baltimore Ravens. They hit home runs all the time they have the best kicker in the NFL, probably the best overall combo, uh, between punter and kicker, but their punter is getting old. He is, uh, going to be 40 this year. And so that's where you got to look to replace them. And that's what the Ravens are doing here with Jordan Stout. And I know that a lot of people thought Matt Ariza would be the top punter taken. But uh, look, Jordan Stout was very, very good in college at Penn State. And, you know, one of the big stats, probably one of the most key punting stats is net punting average. And Stout finished, I think, fourth in the country last year. And Ariza was six. So he had him beat there. Uh, and he can do what the Ravens want him to do, which is be more of a finesse punter. And, and Ariza's the the boom guy, and the Ravens don't need a boom guy. That's not how they punt. That's not what they do on special teams. Uh, and, and I thought it was fascinating. The one thing I did think was fascinating was the Ravens said that Stout was the only punter they would have considered in this draft. That was the fascinating part because it means Ariza wasn't even on the radar, uh, but it was not. Or Trent crazy. Gill. How dare you, DaCosta? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's insulting to Gill. And, and so – that part was fascinating, but hey, look, if the Ravens, they know how key special teams are. They're one of the few teams that take it this seriously, and that's because John Harbaugh is a former special teams coordinator. Uh, and so I would not be surprised at all if Jordan Stout has a very long career in Baltimore. All right. Uh, moving along to the – I got lost on my rundown. Sorry. Browns. Browns. Thank you, Josh. Um, oh, the Browns. Oh, also – but I was like, man, the Browns had a terrible draft. I'm like, all right, they, tra they traded for Deshaun Watson. Uh, so you got to factor that in as well. 
they weren't even picking until the third round, like several teams in this draft. Uh, so, you know, factoring in Deshaun Watson being on the roster now, uh, how do you grade the Browns draft? I gave it a B. It was solid. It wasn't fantastic. Uh, you had a second round pick, but they traded down. They picked up an extra fourth next year by selecting Martin Emerson at number 80, uh, at number 68. They were able to move Troy Hill to Los Angeles for a fifth round pick. So you picked up a couple of draft picks next year. That's part of the equation. So it was a solid haul for Andrew Berry, considering the draft capital that they did have. Uh, Perry on Winfrey is my favorite pick from this draft class because most people thought he was going to be taken a lot higher. Uh, when you listen to his post-draft interview, um, he was amped up. I mean, he was a ball of energy um, talking to the media, and you know, you could feel that excitement. Uh, Miles Garrett even posted it on Instagram about how excited he was to be playing with Perrion Winfrey, who is, you know, an interior defender that's going to, um, you know, uh, he's going to attack the quarterback. He's not a run stuffer. He's a guy that's going to be able to apply a little bit of pass rush to this uh, defense. And then you bring in Alex Wright, who has fantastic size. I mean, he looks a lot like Miles Garrett. He's not Miles Garrett in terms of production, but a guy that, you know, has all of the traits and is now going to be able to learn from Miles Garrett, I think is very beneficial. And then there's a lot of reports that they're probably still going to sign Jadevian Clowney. So that's an ideal situation for a young player being able to learn from those two players, Mike Woods, David Bell, you add a couple wide receivers to the room, Jerome Ford, um, you know, Dearness Johnson's on a restricted free agency tag. You've got Kareem Hunt, who is, I think, scheduled to make $6.5 million or something like that, that this year. So you can see the running back room being turned over over the next year. Uh, and that means that Jerome Ford probably has an opportunity to make the roster this year. Um, Isaiah Thomas was a fantastic value to get him where they did. So just good, solid picks throughout the course of these three days um, for the Browns. And I give him a B. I dig it. Um, any thoughts on the Browns breach? They got a kicker in there. Yeah, they got a kicker in there. Cade York, who, uh, if any Browns fans are listening, I give that a, an A-plus for that pick. Uh, yes, it was early. You don't see kickers taken in the fourth round that often these days. Even uh, last year, Evan McPherson was a fifth rounder. This was the earliest a kicker has been taken uh, since 2016 when the Buccaneers trade up for Roberto Aguayo. So basically, this is the second earliest any kicker has been taken over the past 10 years. So the Browns were making a statement that they needed a kicker, and they got the guy who I thought was easily the best kicker in this draft. Cade uh, York has a huge leg. I think he went 11 of 14 from beyond 50 yards over the past two seasons, which is an incredibly high percentage from beyond 50 yards. Uh, he's even got the short accuracy going 9 to 10 from under 50 yards last season. He can do anything, and I am 99% sure he is better and can do better than what the Browns got last season from Chase McLaughlin. The worst part about this is every time his selection is discussed, the name Roberto Aguayo comes up, which does not help. No. Um, but how much does Evan McPherson's play down the stretch last year uh, impact how early Cade York was taken? Because I can't help but think that – the way that McPherson performed down the stretch was probably uh, a reason why Cade York came off the board so early. Yeah, I absolutely think that. I think if you're the Browns and you're thinking, hey, we might, we expect to be good and we're likely going to be playing in a lot of close games, we need a kicker who is reliable and is not going to miss uh, almost every field goal he attempts over the second half of the season. And, and so, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And, and, you know, it's not unfair to mention Roberto Aguayo because, 
you see these kickers, when you get taken earlier, there's a lot more pressure on you. And I think the, the fourth round is kind of that border where it ends. If you're taking fifth or later, there's not a lot of pressure. But if you're taking fourth or earlier, that rookie pressure is there. And we kind of saw Aguayo just melt under it. Uh, the last kicker before that got taken in the fourth round was Alex Henry with the Eagles. And yeah, he stuck around for a little bit there, but was never a great kicker. And so there's just this, uh, just there's a lot of pressure. And I would say the last great kicker to come out of the fourth round was Steven Goskowski back in 2006. So the Browns will be hoping that York turns out like him. The amount of kicker and punter talk. I'm like, I mean, just, <laughs> I don't want to hear about these special teams till we get to the freaking preseason. <laughs> um, all right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll do the AFC South grades coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. So Jacksonville Jaguars, Jaguars, if you will. Did not draft any punters. Well, they, I don't think they can draft a punter again after the Brian Anger thing. They did, however, take Trayvon Walker, number one. I got to tell you, like, during the, I mean, I know this is like we we did the draft, but I don't think I mentioned this, like, on the show. I found the coverage of that first overall pick, like, while the Jaguars were on the clock to be absolutely, like, like nearly, I nearly threw up. Because they're, they're just, like, they're just, like, showing highlights of Hutchinson and acting like it might be Hutchinson still. And I had all these Trayvon Walker bets, and I'm just sitting there thinking, like, oh, my God, if this is Hutchinson, if they, if they, if, like, I don't know. It was just like, it didn't feel like the network, like NFL network was, was admitting that it was Trayvon Walker. They're like pushing Aiden Hutchinson. And it was like making me sick to my stomach. Um, but ultimately they go Trayvon Walker with first, come back into the first and get Devin Lloyd. They take Luke Fortner, Fortner in the third there, Chad Moomin in the third as well. What's your grade here for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Josh? I'm giving them a B minus. Uh, it starts with Trayvon Walker, who has kind of been incomplete at this point in his career. Uh, all of these guys are for that matter, but fantastic run defender, a guy that has a lot of work to do as a pass rusher in terms of facilitating a pass rush plan, developing more counters, getting after the quarterback, because he wasn't asked to work vertically that often in Athens. So, I mean, that's going to be something that's a little bit new to him, but at least he has a guy like Josh Allen on the opposite side that's going to take some of the pressure off of him. Um, I love the Devin Lloyd pick. I think they got good value with Chad Muma where they took him. The argument is that it's the linebacker position. I mean, you paid Foye Aluakon a lot of money in free agency, and you realistically cannot get out of that deal for two years. So you're talking about a player that may not be, you took in the third round that may not be um, an impact performer for you for a couple of years. Uh, I like the value, but it's just an argument of positional value. Luke Fortner, incredibly smart center. He's got versatility playing offensive guard, um, you know, has a couple master's degrees to his name. So 
very smart player, and that's what you look for at the running back position or the the center position rather. Snoop Connor, getting a little ahead of myself, is uh, one of Brinson's personal favorites. Just for the, uh, just to remember his name, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Gregory Jr. And the guy that I actually want to talk about is Montaric Brown, the cornerback from Arkansas. Uh, quick key and trigger, handsy downfield, physical, great ball production last year with five interceptions. Um, average top end speed, but does a good job of staying in phase down the field. So uh, when you're looking at the traits to develop at the cornerback position moving forward, I think he's a steal that late in the draft to round out that defensive back room. I dig it. Um yeah, you know, I would say, Breach, that when you look at this draft, given everything that Jacksonville had going for it, you know, the first, you know, the first overall pick, you know, there's all these high picks that I I don't know, kind of I mean, like if Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd are great, that's an impact the defense and make them great immediately, that's huge. But it's sort of a meh draft for me. I mean, like I you know, somewhere in the B range, I think is right. Yeah, I mean, it, it just felt like look, Trayvon really Walker. Pop, but then none of the none of the drafts on this, you know, you're not having a ton of pop drafts, I guess. Right, and and also there when when the number one overall pick is one of the biggest risks of the first round, you have no idea if he's going to pan out. There's plenty of other guys there you could have taken because you have the first pick. You can take anyone you want, um, and so that's going to be the thing that raises all the questions here. If Trayvon Walker struggles in year one. That's going to not reflect well on this draft, no matter how uh, everyone else does. And so I did think it was interesting to see the the Jags take two linebackers in their first four picks. So B minus probably feels about right. Okay. Uh, next up, the Houston Texans. Of course, they stung the. I was trying to think of a pun for Derek Stingley, but whatever. They drafted Derek Stingley first, picked up Kayvon Green as well, Jalen Petrie, John Michi. Nice little start there to the draft. What grade do you give the Texans, Josh? I gave it a B. I thought it was solid. I mean, I love Derek Stingley Jr. He was my second rated prospect, second rated cornerback behind Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I mean, he is. Um, you know, has been injury prone a little bit over the last couple of years, has missed a lot of time, but dating back to his true freshman season in 2019 was one of the best players in all of college football. I mean, you saw his lockdown potential, and that's exactly what Houston is is gambling on here at number three overall. Uh, they haven't had this type of player in their secondary for quite some time. You get Kenyon Green, who has positional flexibility. He's able to play every position along that offensive line, essentially. He's played left tackle. Um, Jalen Petrie is my favorite pick from this class because he is a versatile secondary player. He can play the slot. Um, he can play safety much like Daxton Hill, um, you know, who was taken a little bit earlier, but he's just very instinctual. He's always around the football. And that's what I love most about him. John Mechie, the third, I mean, he had his share of supporters in the draft community. I was a little bit lower on him relative to the consensus. Christian Harris is fantastic value. If, you know, he's focused and locked in every day. When he arrives to the facility, he's just one of the pound for pound best athletes um, in this draft class. Damian Pierce, very physical player, wasn't used heavily at Florida in the run game. So you get a little bit of a um, discount on him being able to use him more heavily. He doesn't have much wear on the tires. Um, let's see. Thomas Booker is a young player who is probably underutilized at Stanford. You can probably get a little bit more out of him. Um yeah, I mean, it was, it was a solid draft. Like, it didn't, it didn't blow my mind. You, you did give up a fourth-round pick to Cleveland um, to move up and, and get one of those players, so that's got to be taken into account. But just a solid draft class overall. I dig it. Um, look, I thought the Texans did a good job sort of trying to you – know, they, know, they know who they are. They know where they – you know, like, they know what 
They know what they're, they seem to have a plan in place and it feels like they're kind of putting together a roster that can actually compete in a few years once they sort of decide whether Mills is going to be good and, and what they can do at the quarterback position. And, and that, that is definitely a weird thing to say about the Texans that they have a plan in place. It, yeah, it just feels like it feels okay. So, sure. Next up, Tennessee Titans. Ooh. Traylon Burks in the first round, but they traded away A.J. Brown. I think that has to factor into it, doesn't it, Josh, when you give out this grade? A little bit. I gave it a B minus, um, which might be favorable depending on how you want to look at it, because everybody's going to kill them for trading AJ Brown. I mean, you can't argue that their team is going to be worse this upcoming season just by swapping AJ Brown for Traylon Burks, who I still think can be a very valuable contributor for them this season. Um, in fact, AJ Brown and uh, Traylon Burks was compared to AJ Brown a lot during this pre-draft process. I'm not saying he's going to be that initially. But you get an idea of the after-the-catch ability that Burks brings to the offense. Um, then you get Roger McCreary, great value, well-tested in the SEC. Um, you know, if anybody is going to be prepared to make that transition to the NFL, it's probably Roger McCreary because he's faced some of the draft's best. I mean, Jamison Williams, um, you know, John Mechie, some other guys in this class, like he's gone up against those guys. Uh, you've got Nicholas Petit-Friere, who played left tackle this past season, has been right tackle in the past. Get a little positional flexibility with him. They're going to ask him to play right tackle for the upcoming season to kind of make up for that Isaiah Wilson mistake from a couple of years ago. Malik Willis, we valued him as, as a possible first-round pick, and he lasts until uh, the third round. I mean, that's tremendous value. You're talking about a guy that could eventually step into a starter's role for Tennessee. If that pans out, which it rarely does when you take a day-two quarterback, if that pans out, there's – probably no better value in this draft class. I mean, if you get a rookie quarterback, you're going to, if you get a rookie quarterback that's successful, you're going to get great value in return. But to get one on day two, I mean, it's like Dak Prescott all over again. Look what Dallas was able to do or should have been able to do if it hadn't been for the Zeke Elliott contract. Um, look what you were able to do with that additional salary cap space. It's it's a, an incredible supplement to your roster. Hazan Haskins is, um, you know, a physical back. Chig Okonkwo is, you know, kind of an H-back type guy that can be used a lot of ways, very athletic, tested well um, during the pre-draft process. Kyle Phillips, slot guy. Um, you know, you talk about what New England has traditionally had in the slot. That's Kyle Phillips in my Mike Vrabel system. Theo Jackson, Chance Campbell, rounded out with a couple of SEC guys. So um, solid draft class. I gave it a B overall because you have to be excited about what Malik Willis could become. And if he allows you to get out of that Tannehill contract and be a starter down the road, like I said, there's no greater value in this draft class. So um, I gave it a, a B minus rather factoring in the A.J. Brown trade. Breach, do you think that this, the A.J. Brown trade, and, and by the way, Thomas uh, Leonhardt in the comments points out, considering where wide receiver contracts are going, A.J. Brown contract going to end up being great for the Eagles. Don't know how they could not extend him. I agree with that. It's also shocking that the Titans wouldn't extend A.J. Brown. Like, I, I mean, you're not that surprised? I'm not that surprised. What? Uh, I mean, are, I they think, re, are they re, are they blowing it all up? Is this the end of an era? The end I, I of don't era? think they're blowing it all up. I think they're playing Mike Rabel football. If you have an offense that literally revolves around Derrick Henry and running the ball, it's hard to justify paying a receiver $25 million per year. And so what you do is, hey, let's trade him. Let's get a first-round pick out of it. And then we'll try and draft A.J. Brown's replacement. So the Titans are thinking, hey, look, if, if Traylon Brown can give us if he can just be 70 or Traylon Burks can be just 75% as good as AJ Brown, he's 10% of the cost. 
that's a win for us because then we have extra money to go out and get more people. And guess what? The wide receivers aren't what makes our offense go. Derrick Henry is. So for a team that revolves their entire offense around running the ball, uh, look, A.J. Brown is super talented. He's better than any rookie's going to be. But just when you look at the math behind the Titans offense, it's not a completely crazy move that they did this. I don't disagree with your point, but it, it I'm not saying it's going to work. No, I know. Saying, I know. I, I see their logic and it's not crazy. I, just, I keep hearing the argument like it revolves around Derrick Henry and like that statement alone, although true, is just it's just kind of hard to wrap your mind around like when he is injured and historically running backs get injured. Uh, especially when you consider the amount of carries that he's had over the last couple of years, like it's a dangerous proposition to be putting that much faith in an individual player moving forward. And like I said, I agree with your point. It's just, you know, from Tennessee's perspective they're I think they're on kind of treacherous ground at this point. I mean, that's easy to say, but like, you know, Mike, Mike uh, Vrabel's first year was 2018 and they went nine and seven. And you know the leading receiver was that year. Uh, let's see. What year? 2018. Um, it was Corey Davis. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So they went, and I think Vrabel's thinking, look, who they drafted offense, with the fifth overall pick? But sure, keep making your point. I mean, I guess a rookie. Okay, a rookie. Yes, a rookie can come in and. Okay. Contribute and their offense will work. And so that's their thinking. I mean, that's what it comes down to. That's not, that's not like justify that you get rid of AJ Brown, but it's, Hey, we'd rather pay a receiver $3 million a year than $25 million a year because we have Derrick Henry. Right. Fair enough. Let's move on to the next team. And that would be the Indianapolis Colts. God. Colts started their draft with Alec Pierce, Jelani Woods, Got Bernard Ryman, Nick Cross, Eric Johnson, Andrew Ogletree, Curtis Brooks, and Rodney Thomas. I am going to give the Colts a C plus. And this is just, I don't necessarily hate the draft at all. Like I think Jelani Woods and, and Raymond are actually really nice values there in the third round. Uh Pierce, you know, they needed help at wide receivers. So certainly I understand why they went with it. Um, the one thing I would say about the Colts, though, is that you know, I just I just don't know that, like, I, like I have to factor in the Carson Wentz deal. You know, like, the, 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 like Carson Wentz is a factor here. You gave up a first round pick for Carson Wentz. This isn't even like you gave up a first round pick for Devonte Adams, and maybe this will end up being pretty good. You lost a, you already, you already got rid of Carson Wentz, and I realize you got picks back, and and credit to them for doing that. Um, but I do think that, that the Carson Wentz thing has to ding them uh, pretty severely in this spot. Yeah, I mean, like he, like you said, Brenton, you traded away your first round pick for a guy who's not even on your team anymore. At and he's, he's eating up a massive ton of space, massive amounts of salary cap space. That's that's rough. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite player from this class, Josh? This is the ultimate upside draft class because you're talking about what Alec Pierce could become. I mean, he's got great size and speed, athleticism. Um, Bernard Raymond, same thing. He's going to be 25 in September as well. So he's an older prospect, very athletic, but you're kind of banking on what he could become. Uh, but Indianapolis has been chasing a left tackle for a couple of years. So if he could grow into that role, then it's tremendous value, regardless of how old he is. But that's to kind of justify why a team like Dallas might have taken a guy like Tyler Smith, who is just, just turned 21 years old 
in the first round rather than taking a guy like Bernard Raymond. Um, Jelani Woods, again, you're banking on the upside. Former quarterback, lengthy tight end, very athletic. Um, you're you're hoping that he becomes, um, you know, this key part of your offense moving forward. Nick Cross, very athletic safety. Uh, you're kind of banking on his potential moving forward. Eric Johnson is, you know, a small school defensive tackle. Thought he played inconsistent um, on his college film. Andrew Ogletree is a tight end that I heard about late in the process. Didn't really get a chance to watch him, but had some late buzz around him in the process. Curtis Brooks, kind of a short, stocky defensive tackle that's going to be able to push the pocket a little bit. And then Rodney Thomas, I'm not going to pretend to know a lot about. Um, Raymond is my favorite pick just because of what he could become for this team because they need so much help at the left tackle position and because he offers a lot of upside. All right, I dig it. Let's head to the AFC West, finally, to wrap up the draft grades. We'll start with the Las Vegas Raiders, who hosted the draft and didn't really make a pick until late in the draft because they had traded away their early picks for Devontae Adams. Um, again, like as much as we're dinging the Colts for the Carson Wentz thing, uh, I think you got to give the rate, you know, like it's just hard to figure out how to great, probably great, like. They didn't make a pick until the third round, right? They didn't pick until the 90th overall pick, at which point they picked up uh, Dylan Parham. Very nice, you know, nice addition to their offensive line. They got Zamir White in the fourth, Neil Farrell in the fourth, Matthew Butler in the fifth, and uh, also Thayer Mumford and Britton Brown. Um, again, like, it's just difficult to do, to, to grade this because you have to, you basically want to swap out two first-round picks for Devontae Adams. And I think... That if I'm looking at this and you know trying to decide if I if I like what they did, uh, yeah, I I think that I think that if you take the two players that they got, let's see who would they um, I think with the way that the things panned out for the Packers, I like I think maybe you give them a B plus because they picked up Devonte Adams for those two picks, and not like it's not like it's guaranteed to work out, but you, you you're able to land an elite level wide receiver who was you know on a franchise tag was you know very fairly close to signing a huge contract with Green Bay and yes you could have used two more you know players from this draft but maybe you're taking a wide receiver anyway and Adams is Adams is just such an alpha that I'm okay I think that I give him a B plus for this uh, for this draft ooh you breach I, I mean Brinson it, it really comes down to how much you think Devontae Adams can do there he's got the connection with Derek Carr and if he has a huge year that completely justifies giving up uh, the two picks. One thing I did think was interesting was that in the most Raiders move ever, they took two running backs. So can I ding them for that? You don't need to draft two running backs. Yeah, you can ding them for that. B plus too high, Josh. And who's your favorite player in this? I think it's I think it's probably about right. Um, I had it with a B, and then I I rethought it on the fly and gave him a B plus for whatever. It was. Yeah, you certainly have to factor in the Devontae Adams trade, and you know that's that's all objective because you're talking about a conversation of current expectations versus what you sacrifice for the future. I mean, Devontae Adams, there's no question he's going to upgrade your roster for the coming season. Um, now you're you're making some sacrifices in the short term to make that possible but you certainly upgraded your roster. Uh, Dylan Parham, I thought was fantastic value to get him in the third round. Saw him in a similar vein to a Cole Strange, um, you know, which is where, again, I thought was more in line with where he was going to be drafted. Um, but Matthew Butler, the defensive tackle from Tennessee, is my favorite pick in this class because they needed some interior defensive line help. And Butler is a guy that has great first step quickness, 
um, that's going to give him an advantage against offensive linemen every snap because he's moving quicker than the opposing offensive line. I mean, once you're able to get first step, you're able to get upfield, shoot gaps, that's going to allow him to put some pressure on the opposing quarterback. I think he's got great upside. You know, is he a well-rounded player? You can argue that he's not, but I think you're getting great value with where the Raiders took him in this draft. All right. I dig it. Uh, Breach, any thoughts on, uh, any other thoughts on the Raiders? No other thoughts. No other thoughts. I I have no thoughts. Breach bot 2000 has zero thoughts. Well, I already gave my thoughts on the Raiders. I know. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm just doubling back. What I would like is for, I would like to sleep for like 20 hours (laughs) and then feel normal again. Uh, the Los Angeles Chargers took Zion Johnson in the first round. JT Woods picked up Isaiah Spiller in the third round and the fourth round as well excuse me and also grab <laughs> jamiri sailor uh Jasir taylor they got some tough names in this uh in this draft class who do they take who's that uh fifth round pick there atito agbania right nice yeah. job by me that's a rare one um the rare being me actually pronouncing something correctly uh, i think you look at the chargers draft and now i'm t- oh they traded their second round pick for khalil mack too so you got to factor that in as well. I give the Chargers a name minus. I thought the Zion Johnson pick was great because, again, you're going out and you're adding a player who can instantly come in and help protect Justin Herbert. Anytime you use a first-round pick on somebody to protect the young franchise quarterback who needs to continue to grow, and especially after like seeing them sort of fail to do so with Phillip Rivers for a long time after the you know the initial good offensive lines there in, in San Diego, um, I give them an A minus, maybe a little bit high on that one though, Josh or Breach. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that grade, especially when you throw in the fact. I can talk to it a B plus pretty easily. Let's, I'll go B plus too. I'll, I'll just agree with whatever you decide, Brinson. I think that the big part here, like you said, is Zion Johnson because you look at the Chargers' offensive line now, and it is stacked. I mean, obviously they got Rashawn Slater last year; he's your left tackle. Zion Johnson probably slots in at right guard. Um, Corey Lindsley, very good center, and it's just. You feel like, hey, look, our offensive line is complete now. Our star quarterback is ready to roll. We've got weapons all over the place. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I mean, this offense feels stacked now, and the rest of their draft was just uh, extra whipped cream on top of the Sunday because uh, they hit a home run with their first pick. Who's your uh, Who's your favorite player in this draft, Josh? My favorite player is Georgia interior offensive lineman Jamari Sawyer because of the positional flexibility that he brings. He played left tackle for the Bulldogs last season. He's projected to slide in at the next level. He's not very flexible, but um, has long arms that can keep defenders off of him. I valued him in the third round. I thought he would be taken long before this. So you're seeing a lot of great value with what Los Angeles was able to do here. He's just 21 years old. um, And you look at what you hope to accomplish if you're a team that has a young quarterback. And we've talked about this over the last couple of days um, in regards to a team like Chicago, you know, who has Justin Fields. They didn't do a lot to help him. Uh, Los Angeles, you get a couple of quality offensive linemen, guys that can play multiple positions. So in the event of an injury, you've got a little bit of flexibility. And that's important if you're looking to, you know, have seven offensive linemen on your roster, you kind of need those guys to be able to play multiple positions in a pinch. So not only did you get that in Jamari Sawyer, you got that in Zion Johnson as well, a guy that has played left tackle. Um, he's He played center a little bit at the Reese's Senior Bowl. He's projected to guard. So you get positional flexibility with both of these guys, and I think that's just something that you can undervalue um, as you're trying to build out a roster. Breaking news. 
The Browns have cut Chase McLaughlin and Chris Blewett. Ah, I changed their grade to an F. (laughs) Um, All right. I think that's all the teams in the AFC. We did it like right in an hour. That's pretty crisp pace, fellas. Did we get the uh, Chiefs and the Broncos? I didn't do the Chiefs and Broncos, did I? No. I mean, we got most of the teams in the AFC. I am telling you, I was like, I think my brain stopped working like halfway through. Well, the I was, <laughs> I was like, Brinson, if you want to talk about the Browns kicker cuts instead of the final two teams, I'm all in on that. <laughs> but Chiefs fans and Broncos fans might feel a little. And I even gave the grade. I mean, I even giving the grades for the for the Chiefs and the Broncos. <laughs> um, Chiefs get Trent McDuffie. Of course, the Chiefs traded away Tyree Kill. <laughs> Do we get all the teams? No. Very clearly, we are missing two teams from the AFC West. We just I did AFC West two teams. Uh, Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Sky Moore to start the draft. Of course, it, you know, again, you trade away Tyreek Hill and you get better players because you have more picks early in the draft. That's just how it looks. They also added Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincinnati. Um, I gave the Chiefs a B plus. I it's hard to give a team a, an A grade when you lose a player of Tyreek Hill Tyreek Hill's caliber. But look at those first five picks, and then they also added uh, Leo Leo Chanel there. When you have when you can come into the draft, Joshua Williams, Darren Kennard, Jalen Watson, Isaiah Pacheo, uh, Nazi Johnson, like their first five picks, they get a, get a receiver in Sky more than a lot of people really like. Now he's not going to be Tyree Kill, but he can be an impact defensive, impact wide receiver for sure in the next couple of years. And you add five or four other defensive players of those five stars. So like you just start out firing on defense. And for as much as the Chiefs like need to replace Tyree Kill, and that's important. They've done up. They've done plenty of that in terms of sort of scrounging together some decent pieces uh, at the wide receiver position. What they really need to do is fix the defense. And I think they've, you know, between Justin Reed and all these draft picks that they've added, I think they've done a pretty good job of doing that breach. Yeah, I actually thought the Chiefs hit a home run in the draft. I mean, I feel like uh, the consensus is that the Ravens and Jets are probably the two absolute teams that got an A. But I would almost give them an A for their draft. It was, I mean, you mentioned all the big picks, but uh, man, Trent McDuffie getting someone that that should be that good in your secondary. I love the trade up there. And look, we've talked about how smart Andy Reid is at finding offensive players. And so Sky Moore seems like someone uh, who could end up being a huge weapon for Patrick Mahomes. And you know what? Brian Cook, even the safety from Cincinnati is someone I actually had mocked to the Bengals. Um, and obviously with the honey badger leaving, you need some safety help and boom, you get it right there in the second round. So I thought their first four picks, uh, were all pretty strong. What's your uh, favorite pick for the chiefs, Josh? So my favorite pick for the chiefs was Darian Kennard, the former offensive tackle that will be an interior offensive lineman for the chiefs, um, moving forward. I mean, it's the same situation that played out with Trey Smith last year, uh, where they were able to get a former offensive tackle that is being projected as an interior player at the next level. Kennard is a guy that plays downhill. He's physical. He's more of a run blocker, um, you know, by nature because of what Kentucky's offense has been historically. Last year they were a bit more heavy, uh, pass heavy, but, you know, he's still growing in that department. And I think that gives you excitement about what he could become in the future. But to get a guy like that, that's not necessarily going to have to play early, but gives you a lot more depth at that position, I think is crucial. And you look at this offense, what did they need, you know, this offseason? Maybe wide receiver help. They were able to get Sky Moore to fill out that room. Um, otherwise, we've just talked about their defensive needs the past couple of years. They needed cornerback help. They needed interior defensive line help. They needed another edge rusher. 
there was an argument that they needed safety after allowing Tyron Matthew to leave. So, oh, I'm sorry, adding who? Tyron Matthew. By the way, I don't know if you guys heard, but um, Tyron Matthew actually has a new home because Tyron Matthew has signed with the New Orleans Saints this all season. A big splash for the Saints to pick up Tyron Matthew this late in the process. Like you would have thought Tyron Matthew got signed for agency, but no, Tyron Matthew was just sitting right there for the taking, and the Saints picked up Tyron Matthew. Uh, Brenton, the joke's on you because I believe that is how it's pronounced in French uh, down there in New Orleans. See, that's how you get you test the you test the real the real podcast fans. People still listening at the hour five mark, and all of a sudden you just get blitzkrieged with like ten sound drops. Um, all right, so keep going, Josh. But I love what they were able to accomplish on the defensive side of the ball. George Karlaftis is a player that I valued as a top ten or top fifteen player, rather. So to get him at number thirty overall is great value. Uh, Trent McDuffie, you finally answer that need at cornerback that you've had for so long. Joshua Williams, a long, uh, fast cornerback from Fayetteville State, is a guy that has developmental traits, so you're excited about that to possibility to possibly fill out your cornerback room. Brian Cook, I didn't necessarily value where they took him, but you're adding another piece to that defense. Leo Chanel uh, was kind of a slow burn during the film process for me. I didn't love him initially, but the more I, I watched him, you know, you kind of love him. Um, so I was. You know, very, very comfortable with where they took him there on day two. Just a physical linebacker that can also play downhill. Um, just getting good value throughout this draft class. Jalen Watson, you know, really physical cornerback that can help fill out that secondary. Um, yeah, I mean, they just they just filled needs on that defensive side of the ball, which is something that we've been asking of them for the past couple of years. Absolutely. All right, finally. Now, finally, the Denver finally. Broncos. Who uh, also one of those teams? I mean, it's just wild how many. Yeah, I mean, and I wonder. You sort of wonder, is this like they didn't pick him until the second round because they, you know, they they traded for Russell Wilson. Like, I sort of wonder, is this the future of how this is going to play out with all these picks trading, or is this just like the just because this was the craziest offseason that you know, like, like you know, what I'm saying, like, do we do we think that we'll see a lot of you know condensing? Like, I sort of wonder, will we see this more often, or is this because this particular draft wasn't as good, and there were so many players available this offseason? You know, like that's it'd be a curious trend to watch. But the uh, the Broncos land Nick Casabanito, uh, which is hilarious because Casabanito actually uh, located in Denver in South Park or in Colorado, excuse me, in South in South Park the show for an uh, you know. Uh, at, at linebacker out of Oklahoma. They also picked up Greg Dulich, Damari Mathis, Yomi Uwazariki, Delarin Turner-Yell, Montreal Washington, Luke Wattenberg, Matt Henningsen, and Fion Hicks. I um, I gave him a B, but I could definitely be talked into a B-plus breach if, or even an A-minus because Russell Wilson does need to be factored in here, but you know, it's not just that one first round pick that they're giving up. Like it's, you know, we have, we need to see a little more data from, from who they could have ended up taking before we are sure, but certainly getting Russell Wilson, uh, you know, changes your the entire outlook of your franchise. Yeah. I mean, I feel like all these teams that made uh, a big trade, whether it was Desha for Deshaun Watson or the Raiders trade for Devonte Adams or the Dolphins for Tyree kill, or this one for Russell Wilson is that they're getting proven veterans, and that is better than, you know, you're not going to get anyone in the first round of the draft that would have been better than Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I, I think that a B seems fine there. I actually love their second-round pick of Nick Bonito. It feels like, and, and Josh would know more of this, that he is someone who surprisingly lasted that long. I don't think he, he was supposed to be on the board for the final pick of the second round at 64th overall. 
And so adding him to a, a Broncos defense that should already be pretty good with guys like uh, Bradley Chubb, Randy Gregory, uh, I, I love that. And then, you know, get a tight end, get a little offensive weapon in there with Greg Dulcich for uh, Russell Wilson. And now that Broncos offense seems like it be, could be pretty good. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, a pair of running backs with uh, Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. I, I did not hate the Broncos draft. So I, I kind of liked your grade, Brinson. Kind of yeah. like your grade. Cool. Well, yeah, who's your favorite player from this uh, draft class, Josh? My favorite player was UCLA tight end Greg Dulcich, and I like the fit in this offense because of his ability to work up the seam. Um, you know, with Russell Wilson, you've got There's some thought he could be the first tight end taken. By the way, yeah, no question. It was going to be a conversation of do you want this well-rounded tight end like a Trey McBride that maybe is not as explosive as Dulcich, and you know Denver values that ability to get upfield. Um, attack the seam, and that's exactly who he is. So uh, I thought it was not only a good fit, it was um, you know a good value where they were able to land him and another quality piece to that offense. I mean, we talk about how Seattle maybe did not support uh, Russell Wilson so much on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, obviously, he's got good skill talent, but the offensive line was lacking. Um, now you upgrade the skill units in Denver with a guy like Dulcich that's going to be able to stretch the field from the wide position. I dig it. All right. That is, um, that's it, right? That's actually it. Are you sure? That's it. That is all the teams. Okay. Okay. Just double checking. Give us your, if you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button. Leave your favorite team's draft. Like who, who you think had the best draft in the comments? Hit turn on alerts. Make sure to subscribe if you're, uh, if you're listening to the podcast on audio. Of course, we appreciate all people who consume the podcast, no matter how you do it. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. For Josh, for Breach, I'm Brinson. We will see you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.